right, we're looking for the choir. Come on up, choir. I'm just gonna uh, just gonna do one thing real quick, and uh, well, actually, I'm gonna do a couple of things real quick. Uh, but I want to start out by reading a verse of scripture. The Bible says in the Gospel of John, chapter number ten, and verse number eleven, Jesus is speaking, and he says, "I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep." And aren't you glad that we have a Savior who loved us from the cross? Amen. Uh, I, there's a tremendous song uh, that, um, um, huh? No, not the Phillips. Uh, they they've written a lot of great songs too. But uh, anyway, it's called uh, "You Can't Say He Didn't Love Us When He Loved Us from the Cross." I'll think of who wrote it here in a minute. But anyway, it's a great song. Uh, and uh, and the, the more I think about that, the more I think that's true. You can't say he didn't love us. When he loved us from the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ has loved us uh, in death, uh, in resurrection, uh, in ascension. And he's going to love us when he comes back uh, to take us home to be with him. So he loved us from the cross. Uh, okay, so uh, if you're here and you're visiting with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, uh, I, I, I know that maybe <laughs> that, that, that's not the right thing to say at a 2 o'clock snow service, but you never know. You might be visiting with some friends. Anybody visiting with us? Let us know if you are. Yes, right here. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody else visiting with us first time, first time in a long time? We usually have visitors, uh, but uh, uh, not, not necessarily when we had to change things around. So, But we're glad you're here. Praise the Lord. All right, anybody else? All right. If you need a prayer card, raise your hand nice and high. The ushers have the prayer cards. They'll get them to you. Raise your hand nice and high if you need a prayer card. Okay. And as you know, there's no evening service tonight. We're going to mention that here in just a minute. So just got a couple of announcements I want to make. Uh, we will, Lord willing, and the weather, uh, and the weather's actually supposed to start getting warmer after tomorrow. Uh, and so good Lord willing and the weather uh, holds, then uh, we'll be back with Youth Group and Discovery Club on Tuesday at 6.30 to 8.30. Uh, and uh, there is no WMU meeting tonight 
and there is no choir practice tonight because there's no evening service tonight. So I just thought I'd mention that. Uh, and uh, But a couple of things I do uh, want to mention is the Nottingham, uh, the Nottingham neighbors is not accepting any new donations at this time. So let your friends and everybody know that uh, they've got all that they can handle at the moment. So not accepting donations. Also, we want to uh, be thinking about this and looking forward to it. I am on March the 9th at 7 o'clock. Uh, the Nottingham Four will have their 50th anniversary celebration concert. The Mark Trammell Quartet will be uh, singing with them that night. There'll also be a dinner ahead uh, uh, of that. And we'd, uh, if you, you, admission is free, and we want you to invite your friends and your neighbors and everybody come out uh, for the evening. It's really going to be a wonderful time. This is the Nottingham Four 50th anniversary celebration concert. So mark your calendars for that. Uh, and then also our winter uh, revival Bible exposition conference <clears throat> is Sunday, March the 10th. That's the very next day after the concert, March the 10th through March the 15th. Uh, Travis Kerlack will be with us uh, Sunday at 11 o'clock. Uh, and then uh, Sunday and Tuesday evenings, uh, Sunday through Tuesday evening at 7. And then special music by Andrew and Mary Beth Jones. Uh, then our exposition uh, uh, conference will be Wednesday through Friday with uh, Evangelist Dale Vance, Pastor Stephen Cox, Pastor Kogan East, and a special music by Adelaide Vance uh, and Michaela East. So we're looking forward to a great, great time for that. Don't forget that there is a library in the church. If you did not know that and you don't know where it is, it's downstairs. Uh, and it's in the uh, older part uh, of the uh, downstairs building. And uh, you'll you go down to where all halls meet and go like you're going to the front uh, like you're going to the road if you can if you don't get turned around down there and as you go uh, you'll see the library there right there on the left uh, and got a lot of great books in that library uh, and you want to get those and uh, and and have an opportunity to read them uh, all right we're gonna ask our ushers to come forward for our regular Sunday tithes and offerings as I mentioned there is no evening service so there's no choir practice and there's no WMU meeting tonight and all those things no doubt will be picking up very, very soon, hopefully next week, uh, everything will kind of get back to normal, and it looks like it's going to warm up as we go along, so we're excited about that. All right, Nathan, did you have a good day yesterday? Yeah, <laughs> I did too. Yeah, thanks. That was, we had a wonderful time. We really, really did. Uh, Nathan's son got married yesterday, uh, and uh, I had the opportunity to be at the wedding, and uh, man, I love going to these weddings now that Michael is the one who does them. <laughs> and, but I just had a wonderful time. It was a beautiful wedding and a beautiful couple. Uh, and we're praying that, uh, that the Lord's gonna bless them in some marvelous ways. And uh, so it's also Nancy's daughter. Uh, and uh, so uh, it was just a beautiful day, uh, beautiful bride uh, and uh, handsome groom. Uh, and a pretty handsome preacher. Michael, you look pretty good up there. Amen. For his mid-40s. Amen. Or Nathan, pray for us before we get in more trouble. Dear Lord, we thank you, God, for today, Lord. We thank you for everybody being able to get here safely, Lord. We just thank you for all the uh, things you do. We thank you for this church, God. And uh, 
Lord, we just uh, pray that you bless this uh, this offering, and just pray that you'll use it um, in, in your way, Lord. And uh, Lord, I just pray if there is someone here that doesn't know you, yes, Lord, yes, I just dear pray Lord. that uh, that they, uh, they they know that they need to come to you. And um, and all I ask all this in your name. We pray. Amen. 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 Page 112. 112, Everybody stand.
when I'm feeling afraid, full of uncertainty, when the plans that I make, they all fall apart, when the future's unclear.
Malachi. I've been preaching through the book of Malachi, and I've been preaching through uh, the minor prophets, but a lot of times on Sunday morning, I'll do something different. And uh, here we find ourselves neither on Sunday morning or Sunday night. So we're just going to stick with Malachi. But uh, no, I actually... I had actually planned to preach this this morning anyway, uh, and I wanted to bring it. The Lord just kept impressing it upon my heart to just keep preaching it, uh, even though it would be a Sunday morning, but to just keep moving through the book in the way that he wanted us to. So I want us to go to Malachi chapter number three this morning. Malachi chapter number three. On Wednesday night, I believe it was, we... Or no, the Wednesday before, yeah. Uh, maybe it was Sunday. I don't even remember. So, But I know the last time I preached, Sunday night, thank you, Brother Barry, uh, out of this passage of Scripture, we finished there looking at verse number 6 where it says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. We've been looking at the different points in this, and uh, I could give you a lot of background, but it's not really needed but tonight, or this afternoon, I want to read verse 7 and verse number 8 of Malachi chapter 3. Stand with me as we read those two verses. We'll pray and ask God to help us this, this afternoon, and I know that He will. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 7. Even from the days of your fathers ye are gone away from mine ordinance and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? Verse number 8, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for, again, the opportunity to open up the Word of God. We're coming to some scripture today that uh, we want to be able to view it in the full context of what we have been talking about. But we also want to be careful, dear God, to not uh, explain away Scripture either. And so this, as we come this afternoon, I pray that you just help us and help me. Dear Lord, I know that you've put this on my heart to preach it. You've lined it up to come at this time uh, as we are working through these minor prophets You've put it here. You've placed it here. We are uh, in charge of preaching the whole counsel of God. And so I pray that you'd help us this morning. Also, dear God, I pray that you'd be with someone who is with us. And maybe they don't know Christ as their Savior. Dear Lord, I pray that you would still use our message this morning. Use the Word of God as we talk about coming back to you, returning to the God that has loved us, that has paid for us, made everything possible that we might have heaven and that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So we'll praise you for everything that you do in our service. We pray that we just honor you in what we say. Keep us from saying the things that we shouldn't. In your wonderful name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So we're going to look at our last two questions. If you have been with us, we have been making sure that we stay very consistent with our backdrop of Malachi as we uh, have presented it in the outline that we've chosen. Uh, 
a lot of times when we outline a passage of scripture, we just break it down and we go, well, this part deals with this and this deals with this. But I love to have the theme. And maybe you haven't been here on a Sunday night, Wednesday night as we've been going through it. And we've been keeping the main focus of what the book of Malachi talks about. And the book of Malachi deals with these Israelites who have come back from the nation of Babylon, who have been in captivity. And as they come back, they are worshiping God and there's a new temple built, new walls built, and the Jerusalem is supposed to be rebuilt and God's given them these promises. But here it's a hundred years later. The temple is not in the, in the glorious state that it used to be. The walls aren't as high as they used to be. Jerusalem doesn't have the grandeur that it used to have. And these folks are coming in and they're like, you know what, God... Uh, I'm just not sure that you are all that you said you are. And they are disillusioned with God. They're disillusioned with their religion. They feel like it has come up short. And God addresses this issue with them. And he, we already looked at some of these things. He is coming right to that point. We already pointed out as we bring this to it that this is so often the case with those that involve themselves with religion or church or whatever you want to call it nowadays that they come in uh, and they have almost as you would say visions of grandeur. I'm going to come into the church and it's going to fix all my problems, right? I'm going to come to God and have a reawakening and everything's going to be wonderful hunky-dory, life's going to be grand if I come to God. And then they come to God or do the church thing and they find out that church people got problems just like them. Some church people are jerks just like them, right? Trying to make you laugh a little, seeing if you're still awake out there. But they find out that, that you know what? It's not all sunshine and roses following Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, they're disillusioned. Maybe they also look at the ritual of church and go, I'm just not sure this is for me. I don't see what value there is in that. I don't understand what's going on. And instead of finding the reasons for it, they just give up on it. And they say, I don't think, remember our very first question, I don't think God really loves me. Because that was the first one. Because God said in verse number 2 of Malachi chapter number 1, The Lord saith, I have loved you. Remember that? All the way back that we did there. And I'm just catching some of you up. And what did they say, the children of Israel? How have you loved us? How? Prove it. Wow. What a bold statement to say to the eternal God. But yet, how often with the things that we do, and the things that we say, do we look back at God and say, God, I just don't think that you really love me. And in the book of Malachi, he's dealing with all of these things. He's going to say to them, listen, I want to help you get back on the right track to have a love for God that is lasting. I want you to have a religion that has depth and meaning. I want you to know who God is, the relationship. I want to bring back the passion and the fire for God so that you can serve me with a loving heart. You can sacrifice to me with a willing heart so that you can do the work of God so that you can, and here's the important part, so that you can glorify God and therein be satisfied in your own soul. What is the chief end of man? 
It is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. It's the chief end of man. And when we don't realize that and come to it, everything is like the book of Ecclesiastes. Vanities of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanities. And so many, unfortunately, even Christians live their life in that cycle of vanities and will not find out these things that he's talking about. And we looked at those. We talked about the love that he has for us dwelling it. We found six questions that he asks and he looks at. And just so that you remember the love of God that he has for us. He said that you've despised the name of God and that brought reproach and it brought shame. They polluted the altar of God. You remember that? They wearied God. And this morning, this afternoon, we're going to look at five and six, the last two. They're very simple. Uh, they're pretty quick. As a matter of fact, this morning, as I was sitting in my chair, Junior said, what are you preaching on this morning, Dad? And I said, Malachi, son. And he said, does that mean you only have two points left to preach, Dad? I said, well, at least he's been listening, right? At least he's been listening. He said, you only got two more points to preach. I said, you're right, son, I do. So we'll be quick this morning. And you've already seen them, we've read them, and we're going to take just a moment to think about them this morning. The first one, I think, is one that we could, that it would do every Christian good, just like chapter 1, verse number 2. I think it would do every Christian good to make it a point of meditation in his life of what is God saying and what do I need to do to be involved in verse number 7. Notice it, let's look at it. Our fifth one is, he says, return to me. But let's notice how God is speaking to the children of Israel as he gives them this invitation. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. And I'm going to stop right there because there's a period right there. Okay, I'm going to stop right there and we're going to use that for just a moment. Notice what he says. Even from the days of your fathers. I think that a lot of us in here are somewhat familiar with the track record and the history of the people of Israel as it comes to Jehovah God. They have seen a little bit. This even plays itself out even in the life of Abraham as Abraham responds to God, but then he has moments of doubt. And then he has times where he takes it upon himself to initiate God's plan and God has to step in again. And even though from the very beginning we see that the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness, powerful verse, you can go home and do all your own study on that and find out the depths of that, but even though that that belief right there was going to carry Abraham all the way through. It was his moment of salvation. It was his time to realize he still battled with times when he doubted God, when he went back on God, what he said he would do for God. And he had these times of fluctuating back and forth with God. The very beginnings of the nation of Israel with God. And then we see this play itself out as a, as a history with the nation of Israel. That they are constantly going back, 
doing the same old things, losing their love for God, losing their desire, losing the passion, having to have a judgment brought upon them, and then they're brought back to God. And he says here, listen, I know that all the way back in your past, that it is, it is a part of who you are. It is ingrained into your DNA that you're going to forget the ordinances of God. You're going to lose it. You're going to lose your love for me. I understand that. And can I, can I just go back? With that being said, knowing who they are, and I don't know if it was ringing in your ear today, but doesn't it describe us, right? You're on fire for God one minute. The next minute you're like, I can't even seem to read two verses today. You're, you're ready to, to do everything for the Lord, and then the next year, oh man, that just doesn't seem that important now. Yeah, that's us, isn't it? That's us. We grow hot, we grow cold. We go back on it. And that's why I'm still glad that we can back up one verse to verse number 6 and say, For I am the Lord, I change not. Man, I'm so glad that it's not up to me to keep all this stuff together. I'm so glad that while my love wavers and my love grows hot and cold and I'm so fickle in my, in my response to God and when I feel like God has somehow treated me bad or poorly that all of a sudden I'm like, God, what are you doing to us down here? But His love for me never changes. He has set his love upon me. And he knows who I am. And while I am fickle and while I am moving, he has not. And then he gives them a promise. Doesn't matter how many times. It doesn't matter how many, how many decades, how many ages, how many generations of the foolish people that I am dealing with. If you will return to me. I will return to you. God is just looking and waiting for you to make the tiniest, smallest movement towards Him. And then I believe He's ready to start running towards you. You ever hear those stories? You've heard those stories of of people giving their testimony and they're like, all I had to do was take one step out of the pew and God helped me take the rest of them down the aisle. All I had to do was look upon Him and call on Him and I felt as if His Holy Spirit was rushing in to help me with what I needed. I want us to remember that God wants, desires, is is absolutely looking and wants to bless us, return to us, love us, care for us, but He is looking for us to make that first move. But i got, I got to be careful when I say that. Because we're really not making the first move. Did you know that? Because little did we know when we make a step towards God that God has been moving and directing 
and positioning and putting people in our life and situations in our life and all of these things so that we might just for a moment turn and say, Lord, I need you. He is working all the time. We can go back and look at the children of Israel and every move that he takes and every position that he places them in is all in an effort so that they would understand their great need of Jehovah God. And in our life as well, he's moving and directing. That's why we can sing a song that says, when I first started walking with the Lord, I didn't really know how to trust him. But oh, how he longed for me to understand that I could, that I could trust him. So what did he do? Did he bless my life with overwhelming? No. So through the valley. So through the tough time, he led me. Why was that? So that I would call on his name with a genuine heart. Lord, I need you. I need you. I got nowhere else to go. I got no one else to call on. And when we call upon the name of the Lord, aren't you glad for that, that thief on the cross that looked next to Jesus? Remember me. He said, today you'll be with me in Paris. Return to Him. He will return to you. Now, I probably should have flip-flopped these because that was the better of the preaching, but we're just going to give them to you as they come. Notice what else he says. Will a man, so that was number five, return to Him. He'll return to you. Boy, what a great promise from the Word of God. What a great way to get back on track with the sincerity of our worship, bringing it back with that pure heart. But notice what he says. These things are not, I think they're important, and they go in sequence as well. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Verse number 9, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse number 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing and there shall, be, there shall not be room enough to receive it. He goes on here to say, remember what we're talking about, a formula for becoming for becoming satisfied with God again. A formula for coming back to a place where, we, where our worship is real and our worship has value. And are you ready for this? Here he goes to set out on the most difficult of topics ever to approach in any situation, in any time, in any place, at any moment. And you know what that topic is? Your money. Mm got real quiet, right? Could there be anything more personal than your money? Isn't that an interesting thing? You just, just go ahead and think about it for a while. 
There's a lot of people that will share a lot, a lot of their personal details of their life with you very quickly. You ever look at somebody and want to say TMI, right, you know? You're standing next to them in line at the grocery store and you're thinking, why would they share that with me? But you know what they did not tell you? How much money's in their bank account. They're not going to share that with you. Even sometimes in the most closest personal relationships that people have of marriage, they still won't tell each other what their bank accounts look like. Why? Because that's my money, right? That's my money. As I was thinking about this and meditating on it, I thought there might not be anything more personal to people than their money. I mean, there might be a few things. I, I get that and understand that. But man, this is tough. You guys, a lot of you know that in the past and even now some, I, I've done sales where I go into people's home and talk about it. And even though they invite you in there to talk about it, salesmen still get all worked up about talking about money, how much it's going to cost, all of those type of things. Everybody. We've got the financial piece that goes on. Our, we love doing those classes, and we're thankful for uh, Brian and Shannon running those. And I always think to myself, I'm like, man, what a difficult topic to broach. It's hard to get them to open up, isn't it? Yeah, she's shaking her head. She's not going to talk, but she's going to shake her head. Nod. But yeah, it's so personal. I do not, it is, it is so amazing. But God is going to address it with them right here. And he's going to, and I want, here's what I want you to understand about this. You can do whatever you want with this passage of scripture. You can change it and make all these different interpretations. And you can try to say what it means to you. And I'm going to make this about my time or my other treasures or whatever like that. But he's talking about their money. Wow. I thought I'd get one amen out of that. He's talking about their money. You have robbed God. And I'm going to be bold enough this morning to say it from the pulpit that maybe a part of the reason that your religion, your satisfaction in worship is not all that it should be is because you're holding something back from God, even possibly your money. It is all a part of worship. We worship with the whole. Hmm. He wants... He loves a what kind, of, what kind of giver? Cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful... Because he comes and he gives, not because it's a duty, not because it's bound, but because he understands it. He loves it and he brings it to God. And God is saying right here, a part of the problem why this is not working for you is you have held back from God. You've robbed God. Now I know, you're like, Mike, what a terrible time to preach this message. I know. But we, are in, we have been charged with preaching the whole council, have we not? Here we come on a Sunday afternoon, morning, what an odd time, but the Lord put it on our heart and we're going to preach it. But we're not just done right there. I want us to keep looking. We already said he's explicit in it as he brings it to them. He says, listen, you have robbed me of your tithes and offering. Listen, the Bible is plain about the things that it speaks to us. It wants, God wants us to trust him 
with every detail of our life. And if we hold off on certain details, we are, we are losing the benefits that we should receive from worshiping Him the way. And our religion, our relationship with God, all of those will be, will be out of whack. Now, not only that, watch what God does with this. I believe that God is so very aware of how difficult this is for us. And He is so worried, not worried, but He is so lovingly kind to us. That notice what He says here. Let's keep on going. All the way, we already read it right here. Verse number 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. If you're, if you're wondering, this gives us a principle of why the tithes and the offerings are important. We bring them into the house of God so that God's house might have the provisions that it needs to do the work that it should do. God's house cannot do what it's supposed to do if God's people don't give to it. We are here to be a blessing to those around us. Amen? We're here, to, we're here to care for the widows and the orphans. We're here to care for the poor and the needy in our neighborhood. We're here to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ from this place. And all of those things take the funds that are necessary to do it. And so you bring them into the storehouse of God's house so that there is meat or provision for those things to happen. He says, bring it in. But notice what he's, that wasn't the point I wanted to make. I just wanted to give you, there's a lot of rich depth that can be taught from that passage of scripture. But then he says this, and prove me now herewith. God says, prove me, try me, test me, see if, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, and there shall not be a room enough to receive it. What is God saying? Try me. Test me. Give to me what is owed to me, and you watch and see. If I don't pour out upon you and upon all that you have and everything, that I don't overabundantly bless you more than you can handle. That's what he's saying. Now listen, everyone here knows me enough. I am not a prosperity preacher. I am not, a, I'm not coming in here saying, listen, give us your tithes and it's going to come back tenfold to you. I'm not telling you to plant a seed of faith. I'm not telling you any of those things this morning. I'm bringing you to you the scriptures, but I can tell you this, because I've heard the testimonies when I've visited folks from this church that are like, hey, you can't outgive God. And they've said, we've given to the Lord, and He's blessed us more than we've deserved. You know why He blesses those people? Because they keep giving to God. They just keep on giving. They're like, well, let's just try. Let's see what happens. And they keep on giving and they keep on doing. But I want you to notice this. Most of the time in the scriptures, this is quite the, the, the reversal flip that the word of God does here. Most of the time the scriptures comes and says things like God tested Abraham. And God brought the trial to Job. Or God brought the testing, the trial, or the putting to the test, the person, and God does it. But in this passage of scripture, and concerning this topic, I believe God knows that it's so big, and it's so important, and it's so difficult for us, that He is giving us an invitation to test Him on it. And He does not change. You can test Him. You can try Him. He'll prove Himself. Now, I got one more point and I'll be done. Okay, 
Some of you in here are going, Mike, that's the Old Testament. Show me in the New Testament where it tells us to give our tithes and offerings, and I'll do that. Well, we're going to go to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians, and you're not going to like it, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. I'm going to tell you that they don't tell you to give your tithes and offerings. You're still not going to like it. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how then at a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in the same grace. And then verse number 7 Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Now, here's what's tough. I got to give you some background on this. As a matter of fact, it wasn't very long ago that we went through the book of 1 Corinthians and the book of 2 Corinthians. What is being addressed here in this passage specifically, Paul is addressing with his second letter to the church at Corinth. And in his second letter, he is urging them, and you might remember us studying this, he is urging them that they fulfill their vow of a gift to the church at Jerusalem, a monetary gift. The church at Jerusalem was struggling. The church at Jerusalem was under heavy persecution. Things were being taken from them. And because of that, all of the churches that were around Asia and throughout the Middle East at that time were taking up collections. And Paul and Silas were going around and bringing those funds back to the church at Jerusalem so that they could provide for them because that's what churches do. Amen? Because those funds are readily available because God's people give their tithes and their offerings so that God's churches can take care of other churches, other needs and all is going on. And that's what they're doing. And what happens in this passage of scripture is Paul is again urging them and he's saying to them, listen, please make good on that that you vowed. And he uses for them the example of the church in Macedonia. And you know what was going on in Macedonia? In Macedonia, they were poorer than the church in Jerusalem. They had nothing. But they said, please let us collect an offering to give you. And Paul says, you go back and read this. It's right in there if you read it carefully. And it does take some reading to get it there. But it said, praying, verse number four, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. He's saying, they kept saying, please let us give a gift. And they're saying, what in the world do you have to give? And they said, we don't want to miss the blessing of giving this gift. 
We want to be a part of it. We want to make sure that we are a part of this. And the Bible says that they said, well, we'll okay, here comes Titus. He's going he's gonna to take that. And then in verse number 7, he rounds it off as he speaks about that. And here's what he says. Therefore, watch this, okay? Therefore, you always remember, what's the therefore there? For all the stuff we just said. I'm calling upon you. I'm urging you. I'm, 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 I'm pointing you to the illustration of Macedonia that you would look at their example. And so I'm asking you to abound. What does abound mean? It means to be over and abundant. It means to go above and beyond. Notice this. He says it like this. As ye abound in everything. Here's what he says. You are a church, Corinth, that is abounding in everything. What? In faith? You've got faith that, that, that can move mountains. You've got all of this. You've got utterances. You've got people who can preach and give the word of God. You've got knowledge. You've got diligence. You've got all of these things. You've got fruits of the Spirit. But what he's saying to them at the end of the day, he's saying, I need you to also abound in this grace, the grace of giving. I need you to over and abound with it. In other words, he's saying the tithe's just not going to do anymore. You're saying, Mike, I need an example from the New Testament that, that he's asking us. There you go. But he ain't asking for a tithe. He's saying, I'm wanting you to abound. I'm wanting you to be bigger. I want you to, to show off the excellency of Jesus Christ and to show off what he's doing by giving liberally to God. And here is this little church in Macedonia, and they didn't have anything, but they begged us for the offering. Be like Macedonia. Give. Notice the context as well that he puts it in. Of all of the things that he says, that he puts it in in verse number 7. He puts it in the context of faith and of utterance and of knowledge and of diligence and in love. It's a part of the fruits of the Spirit that he's bringing to them to say this is a part of your worship. And if I neglected to tell you as a pastor that your giving was part of your worship, I would be doing a poor job as a pastor. Because if we can't give with a grateful, with a cheerful heart, we're going to be dissatisfied in our walk with Jesus Christ. It plays a part. It has a role. Here he is. At the end of it all, saying, is it, does it, does all this seem like it's just play, fake, not real? Does it not seem like it has any weight to you? The last two things that he leaves them with, return to me and abound in giving. Return to me and abound in giving. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As they come and get a song ready. I'm never, it never ceases to amaze me how the Word of God works. I come and preach a message like this this morning and think to myself, Lord, why would you want this on a Sunday afternoon? But he's smarter than I am. And I don't know if the invitation is for you, but we give an invitation around here to respond to the preaching of the Word of God.
You might say, I can't walk the aisle. Everybody's going to know. I haven't been given to the church. Well, you and I both know that folks are bigger than that. Folks know that there's probably, it could be something else. Some of the best tithers might have been dealt, might have dealt with their heart about just giving. Maybe it's the first part of that message that's getting to you and you're saying, boy, I need to just return. I need to bring my heart back to Jesus. Lord, if I would just look your way, are you going to come running to me? Maybe you need to come, get on the altar and say, Lord, I'm coming home today. I'm coming home. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to preach the message. Use it the way that you see fit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing, page 82, as we stand and sing. To Jesus I surrender deep the Father's love for us. How best beyond all measure that he shame. 